Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a new episode of the Roman's Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. Boy, do we have a special episode today. Not only do we have the pleasure of having Andres on the show for the first time making his first not-sober appearance on the Roman's Empire podcast, but we also have a very uh, a very good friend of ours, actually, uh, and I think almost every diehard LA-based Chelsea fan has seen his name somewhere in the Facebook group or on Instagram or on Twitter, but we have president of the LA, LA Chelsea Blues, Dexter Christian. So, Dexter, man, how you doing? It's been way too long since we had you on the show. Thanks for the welcome, man. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. And, uh, I mean, before we get underway, um, I ju- why don't you tell us how you became a Chelsea fan? I mean, what, what was that real spark for you in terms of, uh, oh, shit, this is the team I'm going to follow for the rest of my life? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I started watching back in high school. Uh, so with some buddies of mine, we were all just kind of getting into EPL around the same time. And between uh, Chelsea winning the league back in 05 and Harry being on the cover of uh, winning 11-9, uh, just kind of solidified it pretty, <laughs> pretty early on. And, who, and, remember, who remembers uh, well, winning 11? Oh, winning 11 was so good. So that Winning 11-9 was like probably the best soccer game of all time, in my opinion, at least. Um, classic throwback yeah, I mean it, it just all worked out I went to UCLA the year after that and, and that year is when they were training on campus for the first time so I watched oh, all their nice. practices and you know I got like autograph from, from John Terry and Frank Lampard and Jose Mourinho like it just it, it became you know the, the love settled in pretty quick so and, uh, I've been in love ever, ever since well I'll be the first one to say that I'm very very jealous man <laughs> I, I, I would actually I would probably sacrifice like one of my fingers or possibly my whole hand just to meet JT because he's he's <laughs> he's a god. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Andres, how's the weather over there in Mexico, man? Are you spilling your tequila or? Oh man, I am currently on my balcony swinging on a hammock. But naked or what? No, I'm in a rope. I'm in a rope. Hey, see, you're not doing it right then, man. Hey, you got to keep it PG-13 on the podcast sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> what there's but, nothing pg-13 about this podcast i use the c word way right. too much <laughs> you're right but i can say that my vacation has only gotten sweeter after frank lampard's first victory as a chelsea manager so things are hey. extremely good here in cancun I mean, not ready to go. go home but always ready to talk some chelsea so for those of you that are wondering uh where the fuck is som again uh som is actually working on an assignment right now He's still in law school, guys, so we got to cut him a little bit of slack. But he's going to jump on when he's done. Um, but in the meantime, guys, let's just get right into this Norwich match. Um, Chelsea obviously winning it, 3-2, uh, way victory. Um, and uh, our starting lineup, we had Kepa in goal, Emerson out on the left, Zuma, Christensen in the middle, Dave on the right. Nothing different about our back four. Um, we got Jorginho playing at the base of midfield, N'Golo Conte sitting this one out. Again, uh, his knee apparently is not 100% yet. Um, we had Kovacic playing the eight Ross Barkley slotting in for, uh, a Pedro for Pedro who actually got injured in the warmups. Um, I think he pulled up with a hamstring injury that pushed Mason Mount onto the left of a front three that comprised of him, Tammy Abraham, and the one and only captain America all the way on the right Christian Pulisic. So, uh, guys, I mean, this was the first time that we actually had to see Frank adapt at the last minute due to Pedro's injury. And, uh, interestingly enough, he didn't decide to go with Willian, uh, especially after his Bakayoko-type performance (laughs) against Leicester. But, uh, obviously, that didn't earn him a spot in the side. So, instead, we actually saw Ross Barkley come in and and play, uh, in the three in the midfield. So, we switched up our formation. We went 4-3-3. What do we make of the decision to play Mount off the the left and Ross Barkley up the middle? Uh, Andres, you want to kick this one off? Well, I think Lampard essentially learned from last week. I think Barkley looked kind of out of place at the wing uh, last time he was played there. So I I think just a slight adjustment that makes both Mount and Barkley feel a little bit more comfortable. You put Mount a little bit further forward, take away that defensive responsibility, and you get to put Barkley more in the middle of the park. So I think it was just one slight adjustment Frank learned from last time, and, and I mean, we benefited greatly from it. 
Dexter, what did you make of it, man? Uh, did you like Ross Barkley's performance? I think he performed pretty well. I mean, it you know it, it's uh, it was probably the most logical play we had given that you know that midfield three has played a bit together last season, um, with Mountain being a little bit more versatile out on the wing than than Barkley might be. Um, and I mean, it paid dividends. You know, Mount got his goal. Uh, we looked fairly strong in midfield. You know, I think still some lapses in defense, but overall. Uh, pretty happy about the performance and, and glad we got the three points. I, one thing I loved about this lineup choice that Frank picked was that it was basically a sorry team minus Tammy Abraham and Mason Mount. And, right. uh, and yep. nobody mentioned that <laughs> just because it was Frank that picked the side and picked the formation. Right. Like, nobody mentioned that it was a little bit of Mauricio. Sorry, but the team performed completely different uh, compared to how we did last season. I mean, one thing I noticed is that we're seeing Jorginho and Kovacic take up more advanced positions uh, in the attacking third. They're not as shackled as they used to be. So, I mean, that was the first thing that I noticed right off the bat. Um, Dexter, I mean, you're, you're, I, I know you're going to hate me for saying this, but I was actually re-watching the match last night, and uh, mm -hmm. somewhere between minute 15 and minute 30, I must have seen Ross Barkley give the ball away at least five times. And anybody that listens to this show knows how I feel about Ross Barkley. So um, I, I do want to move on to Mason Mount, though. Um, what do we make of his performance playing off of the left? Because this is this is a new uh, – I mean, we knew he could play the wing position. We, we mentioned him before when he was at Vitesse. That's, he played a lot on the wings. Um, Lampard's pretty much used him everywhere else at Derby. But this is the first time we've seen him playing in a really wide position. So, Dexter, what did you make of the, the positions Mount was taking up on the field? And is this something that's going to potentially cause a selection headache in the future? Um, I mean, I think overall he looked, he looked pretty strong. Um, you know, I think the issue is as kind of the minutes go on, you know, the fitness isn't quite there yet. Um, but overall, he, he, he seemed to perform really well. He took his goal. Like, incredibly. Um, oh, yeah. Having said that, you know, I'm not sure he's going to displace uh, Hudson Adoy long term when he gets back. But you know, you never know. I mean, it it kind of depends on the the shaper we're looking to play against. Um, you know, what types of teams moving forward. So maybe in a a four two three one, there's room for him to play right behind the striker. Um, but for playing with two wingers out wide in a four three three. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a little bit tough. I guess we'll see how things develop as, as the season goes on. Andres, what did you make of it? I honestly just think it's a positive on the fact that Mount is so flexible, but mm. I, I have zero doubt that his future is in the middle of the park, whether that's in a midfield three, uh, like Dexter said, as a number 10. The, he's a goal threat, and you want him to be able to make runs into the box, right? So if anything, I think that if he's strictly out on the wing, we might be taking that aspect of his game out of the equation a little bit more because he would be, again, pushed out further wide and it would be a, it would take a lot more effort and, and energy to make those runs consistently. So I think that it just, it just works out that he played. He can play there, especially because injuries are a part of the game. So for now, I, I'm just glad he's getting minutes and doing the best out of it. But I really just see him as an 8 or a 10. And I think that's where Frank's going to mainly use him too. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of got to agree with you there. Um, the, the problem I had, or it wasn't really a problem, but the problem I could see us having is that we have a lot of inside forward type players. You know, we got Pedro who doesn't really provide too much with. He likes to play more on the inside off the striker. We got Pulisic, who's sort of a hybrid, who can sort of do both, but his preference is to drift towards the middle. Mason Mount's very similar. I think every Chelsea fan wants to see Cho play on the left-hand side as well. So then, you know, and, and you got Willian as well. I mean, it, all these all these players and all these players that we have that could play at the wing position tend to be more of an inside-forward type player as opposed to uh, let's get down the byline, burn the defense, and just spit balls into the box. Um, so, I mean... My question is, and, and, and this is where the real concern is for me, not necessarily a concern because it's a good thing to have, but when Loftus-Cheek comes back, right. what, is that, what is that midfield going to look like exactly? Because, I mean, Kovacic has been unbelievable so far. Jorginho has been doing really well. N'Golo Conte is going to be the first name on the team sheet once he's healthy. So what, do you, what kind of midfield do you guys want to see in the future, Dexter? I mean, isn't this just a wonderful problem to have? <laughs> yeah, it's the Fantastic. best, isn't it? 
finally a selection headache. Um, yeah. <laughs> but one we like to have though. Yeah, for once. Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd probably if if everyone's healthy, Conte, Loftus Cheek, and either Jorginho or Kovacic. Ooh, it's, he's going. It's for tough. It. Yeah, it's really yeah. tough. Um, yeah, that's probably it's probably the three I'm looking at. Yeah, uh, Andres, what do you think? Yeah, I I think that probably the one we'll see the most will be the Conte, RLC, and Jorginho. Mm-hmm. I think that that's probably our kind of standard. You know, the when you play, we talked about uh, what was the game that you mentioned, Dex, uh, eleven. Win- yep, winning eleven. Winning eleven, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, winning eleven. I mean. If if you're buying the FIFA 20, the 4-3-3 standard will have those three, right? But we're in so many competitions this season that I you, you look at our midfield crop, right? We got the three that I mentioned, on top of that, Kovacic, Barkley, and Mount. We have so many different style players that can play in that midfield three or four, two, three, one that when we play someone that parks the bus, when we play someone that we need to press high, when we play someone that's gonna be kind of the Goliath to our David for a sec. We have so many different puzzle pieces that we can adapt to almost any situation when it comes to that midfield core. And that's so exciting. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb here, guys. I think when Loftus Cheek comes back and and, and when he comes back healthy, I don't think Frank Lampard's going to be that type of guy uh, to sit both or to sit one of them. Every single match. I think there are going to be some situations where we play weaker sides and when we need to go after a team where we might see a midfield three of Conte, RLC, and Mason Mount. Like, I know, try not to wet your pants too much, but <laughs> I definitely think that that's something that we can look at um, in terms of flexibility, like Andres was alluding to, where, you know, different situations happen all the time in football matches. We really could have used an RLC against a team like Leicester, where in the second half we were just devoid of any attacking uh nouse whatsoever bring on a guy like rlc throw him next to mason mount and just let him create shit in the middle of the park i mean i think they're good enough to do that somebody i want to talk about though um and we'll get back to the midfield later because i do have a nice little kovacic rant for everybody but tammy abraham guys i have been team tammy since day one and i know it's only like week three (laughs) and you know it hasn't been that many days past since day one but Tammy Abraham finally breaks his scoring duck. He gets his double. And it wasn't just any sort of double, was it? I mean, two really well-taken goals. Goals that showed not only confidence, but the ability to step up in the big moments. So I know Frank mentioned after the game that, you know, he also alluded to Mason Mount where he said he loved their hunger and their willingness to fight for the cause. And, you know, they're two players that just give it their all and are willing to do whatever it takes and whatever's asked of them. But what do you guys think of Tammy's performance? Was that performance alone enough to convince you that he should be our first choice striker, Andres? Oh man. Well, I was that was actually one of the surprises for me to see Tammy start. I thought that Giroud would still start this game and Tammy would come in, but I think the one thing that Tammy needs to slightly improve on, I felt like he took to ground a couple of times too easily. But that's literally the only gripe I have on this game. The fact that he could adjust her from Aspie's cross backpedaling and still hit that first time. The shot, the confidence to take a shot from outside the box with two, three defenders in front of him. Those are all the things we want to see, right? That was a very Diego Costa-like performance outside of the lack of aggression from Tammy's part. So definitely positives. I, I think that Lampard looks like a genius now for starting him and most likely will start him next week. Dexter, what do you think? Did Tammy Abraham convince you? He's convinced me, I think, of getting a chance for a run of games, right? And mm-hmm. I think Frank, I, I, I think Frank's trying out early on in the season to see who's going to step up. And, I mean, that was a performance, uh, a number nine's performance, just showing up yeah. and the types of goals that he scored, um, especially with, you know, the recent adversity after the Super Cup. Um, yeah. I think, I mean, the potential's there. I think, um, you know, it's going to take some time for him to get used to the overall pace and kind of strength of the league. 
but the only way that's going to happen is with getting games. Um, mm-hmm. And when you're scoring like that, I mean, you know, there's no reason to sit him at this point. So you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm really curious to see how he develops over the course of the year. I mean, we know Ali Giroux came out earlier this week. I, I believe it was yesterday. I, I don't know if he came out with the quotes yesterday, but I saw it yesterday. And he mentioned that, you know, he's, he's looking forward to working with Tammy and teaching him how to play more with his back to goal. And something I noticed in his game was it wasn't necessarily his holdup play that was brilliant because he wasn't necessarily holding on to the ball for too long like Giroud does. Giroud likes to collect the ball. He waits a few seconds. He's strong enough to hold off the fenders and allow his midfield to step up. Whereas Tammy seems to be really good at these quick one-touch passes. And something I notice is that his first touch into space when he does have his back to goal is probably going to be his biggest ally moving forward in his career, especially if he can develop some sort of strength and maybe develop his body a little bit more so he'd be able to hold off those, you know, the those big-ass Burnley-type center backs that you're going to see every other week in the Premier League. But that was something that really impressed me, you know? His one-touch hold-up play was fantastic throughout the match. I mean, yeah, of course, there were times where he got barreled over or somebody muscled him off the ball, but, you know, he's not going to be that type of striker like Giroud who's just going to, you know, who's basically going to post you up at midfield and hold on to the ball for three or four seconds while... His team transitions. Tammy seems to me like he's more of the player that you can you can run the offense through him. He can be a part of that build-up play because he's so good at that one-touch passing. So he doesn't necessarily have to start it, but that first touch is just so brilliant for me. And I do want to talk about that first goal, though. I know everyone's talking about that second goal. The finish was fantastic. Don't get me wrong. But to have the cojones, <laughs> to, to kind of pick the ball out of the air like that, uh, on a bounce and to just direct it into the back of the net. It wasn't, I wouldn't call it a volley. Would you guys? It was I a mean, half volley. It was a it half was, volley. Yeah, it did seem kind of like, a, yeah, it, it, I could see that. But to me, it was more of like he sort of shaped his foot just to kind of guide it into the back of the net. I don't think he aimed as much as it was instinctual. Like he knew where the goal was and and he knew he had to just get it within, you know, a one or two foot window to score that goal. But what did you guys think? Was the first finish better or the second finish? I'll start with you, Dexter. I love me a good half volley. I got to go with the first one. <laughs> I mean, the second one was great, but the first one, I think it also had to do with the fact that it was a 430 kickoff for us in LA. Yeah. And it's like, he didn't make us wait that long. You know, oh, just I, was, like... I was still asleep, man. I was pouring <laughs> my coffee when he scored the goal. I didn't even, I, I don't I, I felt so appreciative. Um, <laughs> it was three minutes in, and he scored a, a wonder, wonder half volley like that. It was great. Uh, well, I'm, I'm with the first one. It beats the hell out of last year, waking up at 4.30 just to watch us make a 1,000 passes and score no right. goals. Uh, Andres, what did you think? Which goal was better for you? Oh, man, I, I have to still go with that first goal. It, it's like you watch that goal, and you're like, yeah, Frank Lampard is definitely the manager of this team. Like that. Yeah. That's a Frank Lampard goal. He was kind of at the edge of the box, took it, brought a high ball, drove it low. Like you said, it, it was very instinctual. Like he didn't have to place it perfectly. It's one of those where you know you're close enough, you redirect the power from the cross, and the keeper won't react to it. If you see the replay, Tim Kroll wasn't too far from that ball. It just came too quick. So for me, that was awesome to see because I think in the last season or two, our forwards, whether it's Murata, whether – it's rude, whether it's even been Mishy sometimes. They look for that perfect shot. It has to yeah. be the perfect touch, maybe six yards from the box before they even pull the trigger. And to see him just, yeah, give it a shot. Let's see what happens. And boom, he gets the goal. All you need is that first one when you're a striker to get that confidence. And and that's so important, especially, especially after that missed penalty. I mentioned in the podcast, all we needed was that first one to get Tammy in a good head state. So... Uh, like Dex said, hopefully we give him the run of games now to see what he can really do. But that first goal was – I thought it was something special. He got a little bit spoiled, though. My father was actually at the game. He, oh. he does business in Norwich. One of his main clients has a factory for something up there. He was staying in the hotel that you could see from the TV that looks over the stadium. He oh, got man. to be in the suite as a guest, and he was live texting me. That jerk was spoiling everything for me in the first <laughs> half. So my mom was like, hey, Dad, chill. I'm watching the game. Like, the fact that I'm up at 6 a.m. in Cancun, 
I don't want this ruined for me. I could easily be back asleep if I wanted to. So, yeah, it was it was it was a good goal. Um, I'm excited for Tammy. I know you're super high on him, and I hope obviously for the future of this club that you know we can finally have a a, a player, especially from the academy, succeed and to do it while wearing the curse number nine. Mm-hmm. Oh, good stuff. I don't know. I don't know, guys. I don't think it'll be cursed much longer, to be completely honest with you. I mean, the way he took those two goals, the confidence, the ability to to sense danger, to to put the ball in the back of the net, basically. I mean, that first goal had Poacher written all over for it. And for everybody that's making these shout-outs to Michi after last week saying, hey, we need a striker that could score some fucking goals, throw Michi on the field, that's a Michi-type goal, that first goal that Tammy scored. Because... That's all Michi does. He hangs around in the box, the ball finds him, and he sticks it in the back of the net. And that second goal, that second goal for me was everything that Alvaro Morata isn't. The ability to make that run off the back shoulder of the defender, receive the ball, shrug off a challenge, a quick little jink through the legs of the defender in the back of the net. I mean, the I guess I guess the ruthlessness is what sets him apart from a Murata type player for me. But also he has that ability to poach and just find the ball in dangerous areas, that that, that same sort of ability that Michi has. So in a way, it's these two strikers and Michi and Murata that were just complete outcasts at Chelsea. Michi, to a certain extent, still is a complete outcast at Chelsea. Tammy seems to find that nice little middle ground. And he also has that added benefit of controlling, of, of channeling his emotions in the right way. So he had every excuse to, uh, to, to, to you know, uh, put his head down and, and, and sort of sulk after those, you know, disgusting comments that were made after him after the Liverpool match. I don't want to revisit it, but instead he puts his head down in a different way and works his ass off, gets two brilliant goals, and wins us a fucking match. I mean, what else do we want as Chelsea fans? I'm Team Tammy. I mean, I, I don't need to go ahead and convince everybody, but I do want to move on. Um, Andres, this is a new section that you started uh, instilling in the podcast, and it's stuck, man. I got to admit, I love the idea. So let's get into the positives. What did you guys see in this match that stood out to you the most? I mean, what's something that we can build on in the future? Uh, Andres, I'll start with you. Oh, man, easy. Fight. There was fight on this side. Like, mm-hmm. I was texting my friend Jad. He was on the pod last week, and we were just texting through this match and thinking to ourselves, you know, this could have easily ended 2-2 or even 3-2 Norwich if we were still under sorry. And it's not about the tactics or anything like that. It just, there's a spirit to this side that Frank has quickly like instilled. Like the game is not over till it's over. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe that throughout this whole match. Like obviously I was super bummed out when Norwich scored and drew the game twice basically. But I always thought, there's plenty of time on the clock. There's plenty of time on the clock. And you can tell that these players think so, too. Their heads don't go down. They don't get all negative. I don't know if it's a fact that we've injected so much, like, youth and energy into it. you got to love the fact that these guys are fighting for 90 minutes. And, and that's something that got me really excited this match. I mean, before we move on to Dexter, I just want to pose a quick question just to kind of piggyback off of what you just said, Andres, because something really stuck out to me. These guys don't give up. And I think that's because they have something to prove. Is that something that's different uh, compared to what we've seen in the last few seasons with Chelsea, where we see a lot of the same first-team players stepping onto the pitch week in and week out and disappointing, frankly, yeah. I mean, and, and being completely unpredictable? So is there a sense of these kids are just not taking this chance for granted whatsoever? I mean, it's, it's not just the kids either, though. I mean, Frank was very clear when he got here. You're going to play based on merit. That's why David Luiz left. Yeah. He was too scared to fight for a spot. And I've said this before. These guys walk around with a silver spoon in their mouth. Like Alonzo, for example, until Emerson started playing, he was a shoe in at left back because we had no other option, and he could play awful and still get picked. Now, Frank's going to pick the players who are playing well. And I think that's part of it. You know, For one, there is... We mentioned it, selection headaches. There are people who are just as good as you on the bench trying to take that spot. And two, I just think that Chelsea DNA that made us huge fans in the mid-2000s and the early 2000s is back through Frank Lampard. Jordy Morris obviously has bred success into these young players since they joined in the academy. So it's a little bit of both. For one, 
our starting 11 isn't set. We've been talking about it ever since Frank started. Who is our starting 11? We really don't know. I don't think so, we'll ever know. Yeah, and that that's frankly, huh, frankly, uh, that's part of it. So to me, it's that. It's for one, this is a new Chelsea. Frank is coming in, and he's, he literally hit the, like, control, all, delete, start over. Nobody here is a wall, like a shoe in for starting, except maybe in Gold Conte when he's fit and Kepa because he's Kepa. Like, I literally think those are the only two players who always get a spot in this 11. Dexter, what do you think was the biggest positive of this match? Yeah, I mean, Andreas, he hit the nail on the head, man. It was, uh, it was the fight. I mean, I think watching, if we were watching this game last season, I fully would have expected us to to draw or lose. Um, it, and the fact that we lost the lead twice and still managed to come back and win shows that this team is built, I think, from a different cloth than what we had last season. Even if we do have, like, largely a lot of the same players fielded, I think the injection of, you know, Mount, Abraham, uh, even Pulisic to to extent, you know, I think it's... it's and. And, and kind of reigniting the fire underneath Jorginho and, and Kovacic. It's, it's, it's showing that this team wants to, to, to represent, you know, Chelsea Football Club. They want to be successful here. They don't, yeah. they don't see this as a stepping stone. They want to, they want to bring success to this club um, for a variety of reasons. And, and that's, like, really, really awesome to see again. I think, you know, we've, we've, we've kind of missed that a bit. Um, you know, probably since, uh, I mean, I would say for me, since probably like the Champions League era, uh, you yeah. know, with, with, with the win back in 2012, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's just awesome to, to see this team not give up and, 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 and manage to, uh, to seal the victory. So, uh, Andres, I think you're going to like my big positive, uh, of this match and it was, uh, Mateo Kovacic. Oh. Yeah, hashtag Kova Crew, baby. And Listen, the bandwagon is am, still open. I am all in on Kova Crew now, man. I mean, this guy has completed 11 out of 11 dribbles, which is the most in the Premier League thus far. And he even managed to register an assist last match. And, like, no, I understand this guy's not going to get you 10-plus goals and assists every, every season. He might not even get you 10 goals and assists combined on the season. But he is what he is, right? Like, that's that's kind of the best way you could describe him because he doesn't do anything at an elite level. He's just really good at everything. And I think Lamps loves that about him. Except maybe shooting. (laughs) Except maybe shooting. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That, yeah, that's one thing he can't do. He can't shoot. But I mean, I I think Frank just loves the DNA of him. And I think he encompasses everything that Lamps is trying to get through to the squad, hard work, speed of play, commitment. I mean, those are, that's, that for me is just the baseline to convincing Frank Lampard that you're worth a selection. If you show hard work, you work on the ball, you don't lose it, you be smart with it, and you commit yourself to the club, to your players, to the teammates. You know, Kovacic is just brilliant, and I love him. And to be completely honest, if he keeps playing like this, guys, you know, we were we were talking about that 40 million uh, price tag prior to the season being like, ooh. I think we might have overpaid. I think Florentino Perez might have got the better of Marina there. I'm not thinking that anymore, guys. I mean, if he could keep performing the way he's performing now, 40 million would actually be a pretty damn good deal for a player that could provide you that. Um, I mean, you look at Spurs. How much did they spend on on Ryan Sessegnon? 30 million, and he's you know, yet to play. Relatively unproven, you know. You just look at the price tags that are going around the league and. You know, if you're West Ham, 40 million will buy you a shiny new striker. But, you know, we're Chelsea. We spent 40 million on Mateo Kovacic, and he has been brilliant so far. I'm, I don't need to go out and brag about how much I love Jorginho. And I know and we have so many Twitter people that just jump on me for being all over Jorginho last season because I think he's brilliant as well. But, guys, to be completely honest, it's kind of hard to imagine a Frank Lampard midfield without Kovacic in it. And I think that's the deal breaker for me here because he just provides everything that we need in the middle of the park. Energy, 
you know, uh, he, he's he's a great tackler. He's not only a side, he's not just a sideways passer, guys. He could break through the lines as we saw with his assists. So I'm gonna go ahead with Kovacic. I'm all in, man. I, I I really like this signing. I love this guy, Andres. Your jersey's sick. I officially admit it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, those are those are basically the positives. I mean, guys, we barely touched upon you know a lot of the other positives around the pitch. I think one of the big ones was Jody Morris getting his tan on on the sidelines. Uh, you, you know, you rock in the shorts and the short sleeve shirt. But let's get to the negatives. What are some alarming things that we've seen? And, uh, I, you know, we, we've talked about the defending before, but um, just based on what else you guys saw, what stuck out to you and what's something that we should keep an eye on, a cause for concern? Andres, I'll start with you. Um, yeah, I'll start real quick. I think overall the defending was better, but we still we, – we got rid of the main guy who fell asleep in the back, right, and David Luiz, but – we still gave up two goals out of nowhere. Like, uh, I think that when the lines are broken, maybe some of our players are too slow to get on the players. And again, it's kind of one of those chain reactions. If one man gets beaten and then another guy steps out and somebody doesn't cover him, there will always be an open man. Uh, so I was kind of worried. I just worried that those random laps of judgments are too costly for us. Um, and then the other thing, maybe a, a more physical team. I know Norwich kind of beat up Pulisic a little bit. Some teams that are a little bit more into their brute force might cause us trouble up front if we continue to play with an unhealthy squad. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, Mountain Pulisic are, have not fully grown into the Premier League physically. So that's a slight worry. I don't think Pulisic had a bad game by any means, but I don't think he was as brilliant as he had been so far. But that's just part of it, right? He's just getting into this league. He's 20, 20 years old. Am I wrong here? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the guy is only going to get better. He'll probably learn that he has to hit the weights more or maybe just know when to expect contact a little bit better. But that's just part of it, and that's one of my things, that maybe one of these real shit house sides is going to just try to beat up on our front three, and that might be a cause for concern. But, uh, guys, I got to sign out last night in Cancun, and I'm going to enjoy the rest of the night. <laughs> Wait, Andres. I hope you enjoy my input. I just got here. What the heck? Oh. Oh, perfect. Perfect <laughs> transition, then. I will pass the baton off to Som. Guys, Andres. keep doing what you're doing. Dex, I know that you're going to keep adding great value to this episode. I am out of here. You guys finish it off and keep the blue flag flying high. Adios. Uh, love it. Have a good love time, it. man. So, hey, Psalm, hey, uh, Dexter, hey, Zach, how you guys doing? Hey, hey. <laughs> oh, you like how I jumped in like that? <laughs> it was nice of you to join us, man. Yeah, it's it a pleasure good. to have you. Thanks, man. I mean, yeah. I mean, what's up with this Andreas guy? He can he he can't show up to a full recording. I mean, what's wrong with this guy? He's on vacation or something. So, so Psalm, in case you missed it, we were we were actually at the negatives uh of this yeah. match like what are some things that were alarming to us so i, I was thought, actually just about I thought, sorry i thought we were we were going to do the format with finishing off on a positive note we switched it up this no week. no no no. we're not finishing this isn't the end of our show man no i mean the reviews like the the match review uh oh it's okay never mind but uh <laughs> no that you don't understand what I'm saying. It's good. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah that's all. Dexter, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I know that you probably had something you wanted to say, right, about the negatives. Yeah, I mean, I think the like the main takeaway there is that the the defense still there's there's a lot of work to be done. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's only going to get better. <sighs> I mean, it's it's either going to be after a run of more games with with Zuma and Christensen paired up together and kind of learning how each other's operates or once Rudy gets back. And at this point I'm thinking, you know, Rudy slots back in right next to Christensen uh, to take that, that starting spot. And I feel like his vocal presence will really help organize the back line to Mm -hmm. a a degree that it hasn't really been organized yet this season. Um, And we just get, we're just giving up some sloppy goals. I think, you know, once we get Rudy back in, once Conte's back fully fit, um, hopefully we'll start to see, a, you know, uh, a much better performance 
uh, defensive. To be realistic. honest, to be honest, I think that the you know the the center backs are not our concern at this point. Like Rudy coming in for Zuma will be obviously an upgrade, but obviously I think a big you know the big weak points, and I think it's kind of obvious, and I'm sure you guys have talked about it already. Was Dave? Um, yeah. been Dave this season, and I you know my opinion. It wasn't right too now, bad in this match. No, yeah, though, was it? that that's where I, that's where I was gonna go. Like my opinion is not that. Uh, we need to find a replacement for him. My opinion is that I think he's going to improve throughout the season. This is like a temporary kind of thing because we've seen him play like this um, for a couple spell, like you know, for the short spells at a time. But you know, it, it he's such a great player that you can't really like it, it. It would be foolish to you know give too much into the first couple of matches and and think that okay he's done. I mean, because I've seen people say he's done. Right? Like, am I am I not only... You see it all the time. Yeah. yeah. Go, so, go on your Twitter right ridiculous. now. It'll be one of the first tweets you see. But I think it's just he's in bad form, and he'll he'll pick it up. Uh, and uh, he almost he almost had a goal as well. And um, didn't he also have an assist? Uh, one of the goals yeah. was, yeah. So, you know, he's, he's, he's contributing on the offensive end, which is something that we do need from him. So that's good. But obviously just in bad form as far as uh, his positioning and stuff. And maybe that has to do with Frank Lampard introducing a new system. I, I honestly, I, I couldn't tell you that. That's just maybe a possibility. I mean, getting it adjusted, but who knows? I think, I think I, I feel good about it. And I, I, I know I missed the, the positives part and I don't know if you guys mentioned it, but Tammy running to uh, Frank and the big group hug after that goal. Did you yes. guys mention that already? I can't believe we haven't mentioned the celebration yet. Okay, cool, perfect. I'm so happy because that was. <laughs> I, I, I we have to spend a little bit of time on that because honestly, I I don't think I've ever had such emotion coming after a goal because yeah, obviously Frank seeing Frank back on the sideline, it still hasn't really like a hundred percent hit me yet that Frank Lampard is our manager. Like it's kind of right? weird seeing him there, and yeah. it, it's like. You know, it's like, oh, Frank, wow. Like, like, like it's kind of like, you know, you, you look on the sideline and you see a familiar face and then you kind of put it together. It's like, wait a second. Yeah, Frank's our manager. I totally forgot that, you know? And that was just like, I, honestly, the only word I could think of is adorable. Like, it was it was so adorable watching him. It's like a he father took, hugging his exact, child, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. He, he took off straight running to him and then the group hug. And then almost every single person on the team posting that picture on the Instagram. Uh, that was probably honestly one of the greatest moments I've ever experienced as a Chelsea fan, and I'm not going over the top. Like that was no. given given what happened to Tammy the last couple of weeks, um, and just like the you know like this was our first full three points of the season, and we would have walked away with possibly a loss without him. And can you imagine if we lost to a promoted side, like in week three? That would have been. Yeah. I mean, it, it, this this episode would have had a completely different tune, but you know. <laughs> right. So honest, like, I don't like I I don't want to like be superlative and say like that was honestly one of the greatest moments because obviously it was like you know in the grand scheme of things not a big game, but I really did feel a lot. Yeah, exactly. But I did <laughs> feel a lot from it. What do you? I mean, did I, did I explain it enough for everyone or? No, no, I think you did. I mean, it's pretty obvious, Sam, that I've basically convinced you to be Team Tammy. For sure. Throughout the oh, first yeah. few weeks of this show. I've never been against Team Tammy, honestly. Like, I've always been for Team no. Tammy. No, no, I think I think we're all Team Tammy, especially now that, like, people are actually seeing, God damn, this guy could actually play. Like, he, he's, he's, he, could, he could actually be our number nine. And it's hitting a lot of people now, but I mean, this is something like I've seen sparks of this. Like the guy joined uh, Villa when last January mm -hmm. and nobody talks about this, by the way, Timu Puki was a leading scorer in a championship. Tammy Abraham wasn't far off and played significantly less games than Timu Puki ever did. So the fact that he outscored him in a match like this as well is just kind of fitting and, and a reality check to everybody that like, you know, the guy could actually play and the guy could actually score goals. But I do want to go back to Dexter's so, wait, point. Do you think Pookie's going to also finish as a leading scorer in the Premier League this year? Because <laughs> he is right now, right? He has, yeah, no, him, yeah, him yeah, Sterling he is. Have five, have five goals apiece. <laughs> I don't I wonder how long that'll last. I mean, Raheem Sterling's 
a different player this season. <laughs> it, it, it's really scary to watch. But, I mean, I, I want to go back to Dexter's point really quick mm-hmm. because we do have the Twitter questions to get on to. But, cool. you know, Dexter, you mentioned the the comeback of Rudiger, and we talked about it last week. Do you think that he could possibly be captain material? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, if I mean, to be honest, I would I would probably give him the armband this year. Yeah. Uh, he's he's he he showed flashes of it last season. Um, I think in some of our most difficult losses, he not only showed some of the most fight on the field, but also showed probably some of the most respect to our our fans who had to endure you know such horrible horrible performances from our team. Mm-hmm. Um, I really feel like, I mean he he could be great catch material for us as, as early as this season. Um, but having someone like, like Dave, who, I mean, despite his slow start, I think brings so much of the team into the locker room. I don't know if it's, um, it's quite going to happen, uh, this season, but you know, I, I can definitely see it heading in that direction, uh, by the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see it too. I, I think the thing that sets Rudy apart from anyone else we have in a squad right now is that he holds he holds his teammates accountable, and he genuinely gets frustrated when things don't go right. Like the best way I could put it, and I said it last week, was Rudy's that type of player that understands the fans' frustration more than anyone else on the pitch. I mean, he is visibly upset at times, more upset than I am even, and and that's and that's exactly how I want my players to play. I mean, it, as a, as a fan watching all the way here from Los Angeles. I mean, we're passionate and we wake up early to watch these matches. We celebrate every goal. We laugh, we cry, we do whatever with the team. But when we don't see those players reciprocate that, it kind of sucks. And I think that's why we love Rudy so much because he holds his teammates accountable. He has that emotion. You know, he, he's not only just a Chelsea player, but but he seems to be a genuine Chelsea fan. Hashtag hustle. Um, but anyways. Yeah, like, uh, you know, I do, sorry, I just want to say one last thing. Like yeah. someone like that, like the reason why they get mad is because they expect, you know, they expect a great, you know, like what's it called? Um, They're competitors. Yeah, exactly. They have high expectations yeah. for their team. That's what I was trying yeah. to say. So, like, that's that's a perfect quality for someone being uh, the, the captain. I mean, I know obviously taking away from Dave would be mid-season would be could be a hurt to his morale, but I think that he's he's you know mature enough to not let that really affect him. Yeah. I mean, I do I, want to move. I, I do want to move on to the Twitter questions, guys, because we are running low on me, time. You want um, me to take over as host? Why not? So yeah, go I'll for have, it, yeah, man. I'll let you take a break. Give so my let's, voice get into this, let's get into the, the Twitter questions. Uh, first, first question from at Chelsea Eric. What's up, Chelsea Eric? Uh, he asks, "What are your expectations for this team once the other competitions start? So uh, those midweek matches. What do you think, Dexter? How's that uh, going to affect the expectations for your, for this team?" Um, I mean, I think it really depends on how healthy we can stay. Um, we already have a number of injuries, but more of those players should be coming back relatively soon. Um, I think the types of players that we have uh, throughout the squad allows us to play uh, in a variety of different uh, tactical formations. That could be useful against certain types of teams, you know, both in Premier League as well as, you know, playing throughout Europe. Um, I think a key thing to kind of look at would be the similarities in the game between uh, Tammy Abraham and and, and Michi Batshuayi. That could allow us to hopefully maintain some sort of continuity in our style of play up front, um, you know, regardless of when we need to rotate either one of them out. You know, I know they're not like completely the same type of striker but there are a lot of similarities there that you know i i think could uh could help us out as we kind of move along in the season i mean i'm not gonna sit here and expect a cup run because it's just completely unrealistic to think of i mean who knows we may we may make it to the later rounds of the fa cup we might surprise a few teams but going going to the champions league this is this is interesting because in a way on on one hand I kind of feel that we have a bit of that uh, 2018-19 Ajax in us where we just have this youthful exuberance and just a ton of attacking talent that's just waiting to explode at any moment. But on the other hand, we could concede a lot of goals in a short span of time. So 
you know, I, I'm not expecting us to make a cup run, but if we can get out of group in Champions League, I think that'll be huge. And especially if we could get Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham, possibly Cho, if he can be healthy enough to come back uh, before the group stages end. Um, if we could get some of those guys a decent run of minutes in a Champions League, I think that'll be incredibly beneficial. And I think if any Chelsea fan is looking at any of our cup competitions and thinking, okay, uh, we have to win one of these for it to be a successful season, I just think that's incredibly misguided. I mean, like, when we have a healthy team, that diamond, that midfield diamond of Jorginho, Conte, RLC, and Kova, I mean, that is honestly going to be, like, I I, I don't want to give in to, like, my Chelsea fandom and kind of, like, think too much, you know, like, like just have an irrational opinion of how good it can be. But from what I've seen, like, we, I mean, and we haven't seen them all together at once, like, at top form, I feel like. But, you know, from what we've seen the last couple of weeks, plus what we saw at R of RLCA at the end of the last season, like, mm -hmm. that really could compete. I mean, at least, I mean, definitely for the domestic cups. Uh, but, I mean, Champions League, that is definitely, that, that's going to be a reach. Like, maybe we can make a run into later rounds, like you said. But, yeah, that, I, I, I don't think that <laughs> merits much more discussion on that point. All right, yeah. let's get to the next question then. Uh, all right, so this this one's from Ron, actually. What's up, Ron? Uh, Big Bone Daddy uh, Deluxe. So he asks, <laughs> "Can we take a moment? Can we take Ron. a moment? To, <laughs> can we take a moment to highlight how David Luiz is being the most David Luiz he can he, he can be at Arsenal? Wow, that's awesome. That's honestly so true. I still think William is half-assing it, and Mishi is just not going to play, is he? That being said, I get more excited about this team each week. So that was a combination of." I think it was like three and a half questions. So taking, in typical Ron fashion, yeah, taking the moment to highlight how David Luis is being the most David Luis he can be. Yeah. Like he got, he got his ass eaten <laughs> up by Liverpool. Oh my God. That was fun. I mean, that was honestly from the other Fucking side awesome. watching that. It was really hilarious. You know, yeah. being on the other side of witnessing it. I, I mean the, the, he giving up the penalty and then most Salah just burning him from the outside two former chelsea players by the way so uh people complain Funny. about homegrown yeah <laughs> but yeah well, then the next question i mean talking about mishi well he... are you gonna are you gonna ask us yeah any of those I, well, questions that, i mean the first question was taking a moment so i mean that's not really a question <laughs> but uh, let's get into the, the i want to ask you guys about mishi uh i mean what what do you think is going on with him when is he going to get back in zach i'll start off with you I mean, I, I think it's really telling that he's still in and around the squad. And Frank is even going out of his way to say, you know, he's going to get his chance eventually. He just has to be patient. He mentioned fitness, which I thought was interesting. Um, and, you know, when you really think about it, I don't necessarily see Michi Bachua. And, and, and of course, like I'm just making an observation. I don't I'm not an insider. I don't have a scoop. I don't watch training. But. I mean, his personality is very loosey-goosey. We have heard of this whole, you know, he, he has difficulty understanding instruction and enacting it on the field and, 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 you know, being tactically astute as well as just talented. But I think Frank is willing to work with him, and I think Frank is going to be patient. I actually think everyone that's involved in the squad right now is going to get a shot eventually. I mean, and, and I'm talking about, you know, uh, uh, players all the way down the list. I think Vikayo Tomori is going to get a, a look in at some point this season. Um, we still haven't seen him play, so it's kind of hard to say, but I'm kind of conflicted here because I don't necessarily know if I want him back, especially after seeing what Giroud could provide us as a backup and you know how brilliant Tammy could be on his day. Can we really see Michi setting the world on fire or is he going to be that type of player that just steps in every now and then for a cut match and you know uh just sort of fills in squad gaps i mean dexter what do you think do you want to see him back i mean i guess that's the real question here i think the i mean really it's it's there's a lot of matches to play so i think the opportunities would be there um i think frank might be trying to approach it in a way that he like he said he mentioned fitness I think he might be trying to ignite a fire underneath him that might not have previously been there before. A page uh, out of Jose Mourinho's book, huh? Yeah, and in a sense of like, I mean, there are so many rumors kind of 
middle of the summer-ish of like, okay, well, it didn't seem like he was going to get the starting job, and so he wanted to leave. And instead of instead of giving into that, let's let's try to work with him. Let's try to see, you know, how much we can push him, how much um, we can make him, you know, crave being able to have an opportunity to perform in this role. And once we let him out there, who knows? I mean, maybe he maybe he goes out, scores a couple of goals, and you know we have uh, another selection headache there. Which again, is, uh, to have two inform potentially three inform strikers um, would be uh, a wonderful wonderful problem to have after uh, enduring you know what we've what we've endured the last couple of seasons. So yeah, I mean, I'm 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 hopeful. I think the opportunities are going to come between injuries and just the amount of games that we have, and you know, let's see what he can do for us. All right, let's get into the next question then. Um, this one comes from at Black Emoji with two Ks. Uh, he asks, where "Oh does... no, he only has one K in his in his. Oh my bad, man. Oh, is it? Oh, it's it's. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, it's, sure it's, it's no one. C and there's a K, right? That's yeah. what it is. Okay, I knew there was something a little a little off with it. Uh, so B L A K Emoji. Uh, he asks, where does RLC fit when he returns? Uh, I'll start off with you, Dex. What do you think? Uh, well, let's see. I mean, I, I think he's, he's probably competing with, uh, Kovacic, uh, for that, that right side of midfield role. Um, like I said, that's, that's going to be, it's going to be tough for him to take off in the mid season if, if Kovacic, Kovacic keeps up this form. So, um, again, another selection headache. I guess yeah. we'll kind of see it. I, I mean, I see what you're saying, Dexter. It's it's kind of interesting because, you know, last season we saw, as Sam alluded to earlier, we saw Loftus-Cheek sort of be the best midfielder that England has possibly at times, right? Like, he, he was playing so well at some points where I was thinking, like, God damn, like, why, why are they – why is Southgate looking at Dele Alli as a starter? He should just throw Loftus-Cheek in there. We'll do just as good of a job. I hope I hope a lot of Tottenham fans are listening, by the way. Um, but no, it, it, in all honesty, I just find it interesting that the situation he's in now this season is similar to last season where he had an injury that sort of kept him out of the squad. The manager really couldn't trust his fitness too much. Once he finally got his chance, he absolutely blew up. But then he tore his Achilles. And it's hard to say because you don't really know how these guys are going to come back. Right. I mean, you don't you don't know if they're going to lose a step. You don't know if they're not going to have the same athleticism, lateral movement, strength, balance, agility, like all of that factors in. But then he's stuck in the same situation he was in last year where he just has this injury, not so niggling, more severe. And he has to come in in and around the same time, right? I think he's projected around the new year. So that's when he has to make a name for himself. Look, I mean, we know Frank's going to give him a chance. Um but but he definitely has his work cut out for him because we saw him, you weren't here earlier but I mean we spent a huge chunk of the episode talking about our midfield and and what it would look like and our you know our best midfield had guys like Kovacic had Jorginho had Conte you know it had RLC had Mason Mount I mean we named five different oh, players yeah. to be in our ideal midfield. So where is he really going to fit in? I mean, I think he has to hit the ground running in order to be a starter. Otherwise, I think we're going to have to wait till next year where he could get a full preseason under his belt to develop. We we might have to have five midfielders so at some point, honestly. Try try something new. <laughs> Dylan, actually, the next question, Dylan underscore Lee four, he's, he, he wants to have five at the back. Well, I mean, he, he actually, he says he's personally not a fan of having five in the back. But if we ever did what would your thoughts be on having Pedro as a wing back? So I'm assuming he means uh, back three of Rudy, uh, uh, Rudy Andre uh, Christensen and Dave, and then the wing backs as Pedro and Emerson. So, I mean, obviously the crazy lad just never stops running Pedro, but I mean, Zach, do you, th can you ever imagine him playing as a wing back? What do you think? God, I'm getting throwbacks of the Antonio Conte days where he would throw Pedro on as a wingback and just scare the shit out of me because I don't want my wingback dribbling 50 yards, you know, in the direction of my goal. Right. Um, but no, I mean, I, I, I don't really I don't really know about the Pedro part of the question, but in terms of having a back three, I mean, 
I was going to mention that in my negatives. Like, I think we need to solidify ourselves from the back and then build from there. Sort of that Mourinho type philosophy where we build from having a, a really condensed, narrow back four that's just really hard to break through. And then we'll nick a goal. I think if we really want to do that, we could go with a back three. And I think we'll be better off going with a back three because that'll allow us to play more central midfielders um, because there will be more cover for them. So, you know, in terms of going in with a back three, I'm not necessarily against it. (laughs) Pedro as a wing back. Good God, that scares the shit out of me. Give me Reese James. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I don't. I'm I'm, I'm not sure how I'm feeling about throwing a... How old? How old is Pedro now? Thirty-two. Yeah, Thirty-three. He's like, yeah, yeah. Not, not, not too enthused about having him in the wing back role, but um, hashtag back, bring back Zappa. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> Can we cancel that? Uh, cancel that loan? Uh, <laughs> is it too late? But no. I mean, the, the the back three that could work out. I think you know, depending on again the type of team we're playing. Um, you know, maybe, maybe when we play City this year, we surprise them. We come out in the three-five-two. I mean, that could be interesting. Um, I think that's that, that's what I'm really like looking forward to this season. After you know, sitting through Sorry Ball last year, it's just I I, I feel like Frank's going to be a lot more tactically flexible than you know almost any of our managers have been in like the last. Yeah seasons and I think a lot of that has to do with I think he's 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 taking the experience that he had as a player playing underneath you know all the number of managers that he played under at Chelsea and and everywhere else um probably taking some learnings from his uncle Harry Redknapp um and kind of just combining that into his own philosophy of just being versatile creating a team that can adapt um and just kind of going from there. And so, you know, maybe I, I don't think we've seen the last of the three five two. You know, I, I think that 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 could make an appearance uh, sometime this season. And maybe that's maybe that's how we end up getting the best out of Dave this year. Um, I guess we can yeah. see. All right, so that that'll do it for the Twitter questions of the week. Let's get into uh, a preview for next week. Another recently promoted side, Sheffield United. Um, Right now they're one one and one with a uh, one win at Palace, with Palace beating Man United. So maybe Sheffield actually is better than Man United. Um, a draw against Bournemouth and then a loss uh, against Leicester. So Zach, uh, let's get into it. What do you expect from uh, this Sheffield side? They're they're a very very interesting side, and I'm actually kind of excited to watch them play. And and hear me out. Okay, before any of you guys go judging me, but they they play three at the back. They go three five two, and and from everything I've read and listened to, you know, on other podcasts and, and you know, different articles and whatnot, they have a very interesting formation uh, in the attack. They like to play with the ball. Um, they like to possess. They make a lot of simple passes, but they also cross the ball a lot, and that's not the unusual thing because what's so unusual about a promoted side crossing the ball, but Basically, with that back three, they push their wingers really high up the pitch, like incredibly high, and they pull their two outside center backs wide, and those are the guys that pull forward and sort of play like those Aspie diagonals, but just 10 yards closer. It's very weird to watch, and you know, I, I briefly saw them uh, play against Leicester, and obviously they lost that match, so it wasn't their greatest performance ever, but... Just seeing that was kind of interesting. So I'm really curious to see how, you know, Dexter, you talked about Lampard's flexibility. I mean, this is probably a system and a tactic that he's probably never going to see again, um, you know, because it's it's just so unusual. And the fact that Sheffield is so ballsy by carrying it into the Premier League this year and still trying to do that and doing it somewhat effectively. I mean, 1-1-1 one, one, and one in your first three games as a the favorite to go back down is a uh, is pretty impressive but I mean, it, it's going to be interesting for me so you know I, I i guess what i'm trying to say is our wingers better be uh getting in some 1v1 positions because you know if if we can win the ball while they're in possession high up the pitch and we can get our wingers in a 1v1 against one of those center backs when they get pulled out wide in possession i think 
I think you know that's something to exploit there. So, but Dexter, I mean, it's it's a tough question because I, what do we really know about Sheffield? I only know this because I knew I had to record a podcast, so I did my research. But <laughs> like, what else? What else are you curious about with this side? Because out of the three promoted sides, this definitely looks like the one that has the most life and exuberance about them. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll be honest. I I know very little about their. Um, <laughs> You're not alone. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I will say, you know, just kind of looking at their performances uh, at a high level uh, from this season. Um, pretty good start against some fairly decent teams. Um, I think for us, it really depends on if we get Conte back for this match. I think we win pretty comfortably. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think if, if we have a uh, a similar lineup to, to, to what we fielded last week, then we could see another tight tight match. Either you know, I'm obviously I'm hoping for a win, but you know we could risk a, a draw as well. So I'm gonna say with if we if we have Conte, we're gonna win comfortably, probably three one four one. Perfect. If uh, if 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 we don't, you know, we might see a a two two or a three two victory on our end. I was I'll actually say. just about to ask you, like, what what you guys thought the predict what you guys' prediction was going to be, but you you read my mind, Zach. What about you, Dexter? Come on, man, you're the president of the LA chapter. Like, I, 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 I'm expecting I'm expecting like a six or seven no prediction. What's going on here? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I don't. I don't think it's going to be a route. Um, but I, I do feel that we're going to score a lot of goals, guys. I'm going to go four-one here. I think. Uh, I think we're going to see a big shift in our mentality in this game. I, I just have this gut feeling we're going to somehow go down one-nil and just absolutely shred them. Um, and and I think they're going to get their one-nil while we're shredding them, right? So I think we're going to start the game hard, lose the ball smash and grab one nil but then we'll wind up beating them four one um i don't know why but i feel so comfortable with that prediction you know, zach you know yeah. have a little bit of respect have a little bit of respect for a team that's sitting four spots ahead of us right now on the table <laughs> wow they're wow they're they're what at, at nine yeah are we at are nine. we we're, we're at, in 13 oh yeah my. but oh. they're at a zero goal differential and we're minus three so i mean there's like how many teams there's <laughs> Five, five through fourteen all sit with four points. Fifteen through nineteen sit with three, and Watford is the sole pointless team left in the Premier League. Really, so, really surprising. Is, yeah. yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, I know. But I mean, <laughs> it, it's it, and obviously the, you can see that at the top there's a little group forming with Liverpool, Man City, as everyone probably proje- uh, predicted. But yeah, I mean, for me. I obviously, I mean, if we're playing against a promoted side, like we have to have high expectations going in and we did the same thing last week and honestly kind of barely squeaked out with a, you know, with a one, you know, winning by one goal, uh, after them, you know, coming back and tying it twice within 30 minutes. So, you know, a little bit shaky from last week. Uh, but I think that, the, the, we'll win comfortably this week, and my my bold prediction is that Mason Mount will score again. Wow, three I'm in, in a row love for with Mason. Mason I'm Mount, in baby. love with Mason Mount now. I mean, like, I don't know. Oh, you, you missed the part. Okay. You, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. I mean, we 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 went in, man. I know. I, I, yeah, I I really had no. I had very very little like footage of him watched before his like debut this this season. So I'm going in it with like literally no idea of what to expect, and I'm in love. <laughs> He's, yeah, he is yeah. something else. I'm so happy for him. But yeah, maybe, so... I, you know, I, I'm gonna say he scores a brace, and he uh, he's Ooh. now in the top three in the uh, Premier League scores. Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, we should all start a campaign to get Mason Mount uh, in the England first team because like the skill level is just nuts. But anyways. Um, guys, I mean, that's the end of our episode. I feel like we recorded six different episodes today because, you know, we had, we had Andres on with 
just Dexter and I. It keeps it and interesting. And then uh, yeah. Andres had to sign off. And then I thought it was going to be me and Dexter. And then it turned out to be me and Dexter and Psalm. Um, surprise, surprise. Yeah, I mean, just that's evidence that we are not professionals at this whatsoever. So <laughs> Dexter. Um, we did it live. Thank, it worked out. It yeah. Worked out. <laughs> it yeah. worked out. We it really pros. did. But, uh, I mean, Dexter, thank you so much for coming on, man. It, it, it was awesome having you. I know it's been a while since we had you on last time, but, like, sheesh, man. Like, we, we got to get you on some more, I think. What do you, what do you think, Sam? Yeah, I mean, and you're, and you're so close to us, too. We got to go watch a game together. That's, 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 yeah. that's also more important. Yeah, if I it, know. If, you, if you're ever – listeners, if you're in L.A., join us at the Stalking Horse in West L.A., um there for pretty much every match just follow our socials and obviously yeah you guys got to join us um you know it's been a while yeah we'll come out we gotta go soon maybe, yeah maybe for the liverpool match that would be great a yeah weeks. i mean we, we could do a redo of last year's liverpool match except they'll lose worse this time yeah and they right. don't have surge anymore so it's okay yeah so no <laughs> screamers where is he he's in turkey now i think yeah actually i don't remember Random. honestly i don't even oh yeah. oh interesting huh yeah, that's a weird one. But anyways, I mean, guys, that, that that does bring us to the end of our episode. I mean, I could honestly stay here and record for another two, three hours easy. Um, but unfortunately, I have a job and I need to sleep. So, um, Dexter, thanks again for coming on, man. Always a pleasure to have you. We'll definitely uh, try to link up some more uh, in the future. And uh, Sam, thanks for joining us. Taking time out of your very busy day. Until next week, guys, keep the blue flag flying high.